time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. <gasps> Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact! Yeah. Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, IBM launching a major bid today to find drug treatments for disease. Apparently, they're going to use a global computer grid whose aim to benefit humanity. Well, it's a major new study linking certain food additives in our children's food to their behavior and learning ability. But it mirrors the work that has been going on for several decades at the Feingold Association. It's Executive Director Jane Percy joining us today. We invite you to join us for a frank discussion of what's in our children's food that affects their learning ability and behavior. We'll learn more from Jane Hersey joining us today from the Feingold Association right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Well, the statistics are sobering. Uh, Nearly 10% of all Americans type 2 diabetic, 1 in 8 New Yorkers, uh, 9% of Californians, and anywhere from 40 to 60% pre-diabetic. What role does exercise play? We now know, thanks to groundbreaking research from researchers like Ohio State University, exercise is good medicine. Well, now Canadian researchers add to that body of evidence, taking a look at groups of type 2 diabetics, some of whom did aerobic training, some of whom did resistance training, some of whom did no exercise at all, and some of whom did a bit of both. What did they find? That doing both aerobic and resistance training lowers blood sugar, helps to control blood sugar better than either weight training or aerobic exercise alone. We can give it lip service. We have a number of excuses why we don't exercise, but the research is clear. Activity is part of optimal health. And, uh, you know, don't talk about your diet and supplementations and your sleep and how you're minding the stresses in, the, in your life, your meditation, if you're not exercising on a regular basis. But the good news is, of course, that any activity counts, whether it's your daily household chores, your gardening chores, what you do as part of your, your work Um, sports, all of this helps and any type of exercise helps to control blood sugar. Well, it's another report card. Gee, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention like to issue those. They're issuing a a report card on hand washing. And with the recent revelation that we still have all too many infections in this country um, that um, certainly affect people with uh, bed sores, people with failure to heal wounds that might end in amputations, hospital-acquired infections that might even be fatal. Uh, This most recent study, a telephone survey of people and hand-washing, 
Now, I tell you in advance, my tongue is in my cheek, because how many people, when asked on the telephone about hand washing, are going to say anything other than what they think you want them to hear? Well, the results were that 77% of men and women wash their hands in public restrooms. It's a little decrease, a 6% decrease compared to a similar study in the, in the year 2005. But what they found is that was clearly a gender difference, that men are the biggest offenders. Only 66% of men seen washing their hands in public restrooms versus women who fare a little bit better. And um, the take-home message to all of us, all it takes is regular soap and water and some some effort here. You have to sing a whole verse of happy birthday while you're washing those hands to uh, to do the job adequately. And don't worry about antibacterial soap because the Food and Drug Administration has concluded doesn't help, maybe hurts. And soap, you know, that that's all you really need, soapy uh, warm water. Well, it's an analysis of who spends what when it comes to health care. It's published in the current journal Health Affairs. It's a Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services and finds a decided regional difference when it comes to health care spending in this country. Now, we have regional differences in terms of who gets bypass surgery, who has a hysterectomy. And accordingly, what we found is in the Northeast, they spend a lot more money per person for health care than other regions of the U.S. The highest per capita spending was the District of Columbia, $8,295 per person per year, versus Utah, where the average uh, per capita spending for health care Per person, health care spending per year was $3,972. And interestingly, because it certainly relates to the information in Dr. John Goffman's book about radiation, where they find the most heart disease and the most cancer is where they have the most use of medical radiation. And the Northeast tops the rest of the nation. Health care spending the highest in the Northeast and, of course, it's related to more procedures, more prescriptions, which equals more cancer and more heart disease. Dr. John Goffman, a professor at University of California, San Diego, um, just a brilliant physician, writing a 600-page book on the uh, detrimental effects of medical radiation. Yes, that CT scan, that chest X-ray, those dental X-rays have radiation. Your body stores them. It's cumulative over time and linked to more heart disease and more cancer. Well, it's a finding presented just over the weekend at the European Respiratory Function Annual Congress being held in Stockholm. What um, the research presenter concluded was just eye-opening. Uh, he was from the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences and Research Triangle uh, North Carolina, Dr. Hoppen, who concluded that pesticide exposure is a potential risk factor for asthma and respiratory symptoms. And we have more asthma and more allergy than ever before. What was interesting corollary to the study 
was a press release just yesterday that Martinique and Guadeloupe are facing a serious environmental and population health crisis because apparently they have used massive amounts of pesticides, banned pesticides, on the banana plantations in Guadeloupe and uh, Martinique and they are now finding a very serious situation where their water is polluted, their land is polluted, and when they take a look at toxic body burden, they're finding women, uh, more miscarriages, fewer live births, uh, more serious birth defects, pesticides. One of the many reasons why many more people going organic these days. Well, perhaps it is a mindset shift. The uh, spokesperson for the American Dietetic Association indicating we are now seeing a changing market force in terms of, do you want fries with that? That after decades long of being the fast food nation, the notion of watching what you eat appears to be hitting many more Americans that rather than say, do you want fries with that? Do you want to supersize that? We are seeing now many more dollars spent on low-fat, flame-broiled chicken breast, unsweetened applesauce, low-fat milk, uh, salads, please hold the, uh, the, the dressing, the apple fries, that the fast food restaurants are getting the message that the marketplace is changing and the nutrition conscious are taking a bite out of the fast food dollars. Well, it's not just about blowing bubbles. Chewing gum. A recent analysis published in the health section of today's Detroit Free Press indicates that chewing gum helps to suppress your hunger. Chewing gum increases blood flow to the brain and boosts your memory. 50% of people surveyed said chewing gum helps to reduce stress. Burns calories. Chewing gum, 11 calories an hour. And because our cheeks are so absorbent, chewing gum is a great way to deliver nutrients. And there are some companies out there that are actually adding vitamin C and calcium to chewing gum. We also know that your bowel returns to normal much more rapidly after surgery if you chew gum. We're going to return to talk with the Executive Director of the Fine Gold Association, Jane Hersey, joining us today, talking about the latest studies linking food and hyperactivity. You're listening to Healthy Talk Radio, worldwide, whenever and wherever you need us, at HealthyTalkRadio.com. Now, more with America's favorite healthcare consumer, Deborah Ray. To talk about an important topic, given the fact that 15B, yes, billion with a B, Dollars are spent each and every year to influence our children to unhealthy eating choices. Well, they were the head of the curve on taking a look at all those foods in terms of additives and colors and artificial sweeteners and the role they might play in our children's behavior and learning ability. Joining us today is the Executive Director of the Feingold Association, a former teacher and Head Start consultant. She is the editor of their newsletter, 
author of several books, including Why Can't My Child Behave? She's Jane Hersey, who joins us today. Jane, hello and welcome. Hello, Deborah. I'm delighted to be with you. Oh, nice to have you join us. And for people who missed it, and I dare say they did a good job of publishing British research that was recently published in the British medical journal Lancet. Give us an overview, please, Jane. Yes, this was a very exciting study. They had a large group of children. They had nearly 300 children. Um, And these were children who were uh, what I call regular kids. These were not children who had any history of behavior problems. They were just children taken from the community, um, and they were uh, involved in this study. Now, there were two groups. One group of children were three-year-olds, and the other were older children, ages eight to nine. And the researchers gave them um, fruit drinks, that some of which had artificial colors, actually a blend of artificial colors plus the preservative sodium benzoate. And at times the children were given fruit juice without this. At times it had it. And they were able to disguise the drinks so that the children didn't know which was which, the parents didn't know, and even the researchers didn't know. And as you know, Deborah, this is a double-blind placebo-controlled study. So what they found out after they uh, tabulated all the information was that the children's behavior um, tended to be quite different when they were consuming the additives and not only their behavior, but their ability to focus and pay attention and in, in, in their uh, learning. Uh, they had tested the older children on that. So what the researchers concluded was that these food additives, particularly the food dye and this preservative, have the potential to trigger hyperactive behavior and learning difficulties in any child, not just in a selected group of children. Now, this is something we've observed and known for 30 years, but it's wonderful to see it done in such a well-designed study um, published in such a, a prestigious journal. So knowing that parents have known, you knew oh, boy. <laughs> uh, for, for, for so many years, but often, um, as we recently uh, found um, with Dr. Beatrice Gollum, uh, uh, taking a look at patients uh, talking with physicians about uh, drug side effects, mm-hmm. it was given short shrift for so many years. Oh, it yeah. was just, oh, you know, uh, a mother. <laughs> oh, yes, neurotic mothers. Well, you know, before our kids went on the Feingold program, we were a bit neurotic, <laughs> but once, yes, we, we've heard every kind of, of uh, thing thrown at us and, and thrown at people who believe this, but you know what always amazes me, Deborah, is how people can say, how so-called experts can say, well, we don't know what's causing it, but we know it isn't this. Well, <laughs> uh, we've been knowing it is this, that, that food additives are not the only trigger for ADD, ADHD, but boy, they are a big one. And we've known this, uh, well, Dr. Feingold knew it in the mid-60s, and the parent support group was formed in the mid-70s. So not only have we got decades worth of practical experience in dramatically helping children, but there are lots of studies. Some of the media reported this as the first study. There have been studies going on since the 70s, some good, some bad. Um, The more recent studies in the past 20 or so years have been very good. So this information has been out there literally for decades. But um, 
Food additives mean uh, manufacturers can create very low-cost food, mm-hmm. sell it for high prices, and uh, reap enormous profits. And, and be, you know, with these combinations of colors in particular, as well as the, the other additives, particularly the artificial sweeteners, make it all the more appealing to children, Jane. And I'd welcome your insight because right. uh, uh, just in the last month, New Scientists, a British medical journal, published a very interesting uh, article all about toxic chemicals that the average person in this country is subjected each and every day to 75,000 different chemicals. And as you well know, you're you know part of this effort to look at you know, what we're promoting and feeding our children. And it's not just one color, not just one Oh, additive. definitely not just one color. Although I will say, Deborah, it's a little easier uh, now because so many of the dyes are so damaging that all but seven have been banned for use in food. Of course, that doesn't mean that we're done with them because just because a dye in this country is not allowed in food, uh, it may be allowed in medicine and cosmetics. And medicine for children especially is likely to be bright, garish colors with synthetic dyes and synthetic flavorings as well. But the good news is for all of these things that are out there that contain no-nos, there are alternatives that are perfectly okay. Uh, this is part of what the Feingold Association does, is show people, you want to give your child a lollipop? Hey, I am now looking at a bag of gorgeous lollipops that are pretty colors, natural colors, and natural flavors. And with some of these candies, if I didn't know uh, which was natural and which was, was synthetic, I'd have a hard time uh, figuring out. The natural colorings can be beautiful, and they're out there. Anything you want, I cannot think of a thing uh, that that we cannot find in a natural. Ver- oh yes, there's one candy corn, Halloween candy corn, and we're working on that. <laughs> but but um, uh, the purport of, of the article, which was intriguing, is that you know many of these common chemicals, for example, the phthalates, and as you well know, you know the soft plastic mm-hmm. uh, packaging right. for so many children's uh, uh, foods, uh, as well as you know medicinal <laughs> items yes. in hospitals. Yes. And, you know, individually, for example, two of the phthalates in a, a recent government-funded study by themselves were not detrimental. They combined the yeah. two small amounts of phthalates together. Wow. All of a sudden, there was um, the lack of, of any testosterone production. I mean, do we really know yeah. these combinations of even the seven allowed colorings and yes. additives and artificial sweeteners together, Jane? Absolutely. And if you look at the average diet of, of what a child who's eating these these awful things, they eat multiple dyes and artificial flavors and high fructose corn syrup and throw in some MSG and put it in a plastic container. Yes, um, we know. In fact, there was a study not long ago showing that combinations of two additives was between four and seven times more damaging to nerve cells than a single additive alone, and you very well know that these food additives are tested one at a time. They're not typically tested in combinations. So the new study from The Lancet showed what happened with a combination of dyes. The other study to which I just referred from the University of Liverpool showed that two additives together were far more damaging. And a child's uh, cereal uh, bowl is going to contain many, many, many different additives altogether. 
Um, another thing that, that I want to point out is uh, we are subjected, as you just said, to so many uh, toxins in our environment, whether it be in the containers, in the food, in the pesticide. We need and our children need to be strong. They need to be nourished with real food so that their bodies can be strong enough to deal with these toxins because we're designed to deal with a certain amount of toxins. But when you take away the real food that a child needs and give him fake food, his body's not going to be strong enough. Jane, hold that thought. We'll pick that right back up when we return. The Executive Director of the Fine Goat Association, Jane Hurst. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but it might just be good for your health. I'm Deborah Ray. You're listening to Healthy Talk Radio, where Jane Hersey joins us today, H-E-R-S-E-Y. For those of you who asked me to take a moment to spell, spell, she has authored books that include Why Can't My Child Behave? She joins us today with her hat on as a director of the nonprofit Fine Gold Association. If you're not familiar with their work, www.addiet, addiet.com, uh, who joins us today. And if you're not webified, one 800 321 3287. That's 1-800-321-3287. We're talking about the recently published uh, British research um, in a uh, prestigious medical uh, journal, The Lancet, linking artificial uh, food additives with worsening hyperactivity in our children. But you raised a key point before uh, we went to the break, uh, Jane, and that is... What does it mean for our children to eat all these foods that are, are laden with colorings and additives and artificial sweeteners and have a, a basic scenario where they're not optimally nourished, where all those mother's adages that you and I heard, you know, the fishes, mm-hmm. <laughs> brain food, and the carrots for, for, mm-hmm. for healthy eyes, that they're not getting basic uh, good nutrition, Jane. That's true, and part of the problem is that This insidious trend toward what I call foodless foods has been going on for a while. So in many cases with the young child, their mother also grew up on TV dinners, on quick convenience mixes, and some of the moms today really don't know where to begin. They don't have an idea where to begin. And so we we sometimes are scolded because we allow things like candy and soda and ice cream but what our approach is is we say to people look if this is what you're currently using if you're currently using mixes and and lots of desserts and things like that we show them how to make the gentle transition from the mac and cheese mix with the two yellow dyes to the mac and cheese mix without dye they can give their child the chocolate candy bar without the artificial flavor, the lollipops without the artificial color and flavor. And what happens is when they see that just something as simple as taking away synthetic dyes, artificial flavor, etc., can and let's of course not forget taking away synthetic sweeteners like aspartame. When parents find out and see, and when the children themselves see that a small change like this can uh, result in a dramatic improvement either in behavior or uh, no more asthma attacks or fewer uh, incidences of hives or migraine headaches. When people see 
that simple changes can mean that they feel better and they behave better, then they really start to get interested. And even a family uh, who people, some of the moms call themselves carry-out queens, um, even families like this start to really get interested. And if you go back to their home, um, a few months later you'll find they're eating more salads, they're eating fresher foods, they're eating more wholesome things, whole grains and all. So our goal is to, first of all, help people find out what is causing the problems, if any of these additives are, and kind of a side goal is to, to nudge them toward gradually healthier and healthier food choices. So it's very exciting because they get there and the children um, eat healthier and they, they grow up learning about real good food. But they do it and everybody does it in such a way that's very palatable, very easy to take. So knowing, uh, Jane, that we have um, more children who are overweight or obese, um, you know, link the dots to us that that the children eating a lot of calories, but it sounds like not a lot of nutrients. Absolutely. And when they are eating these these fake foods, they don't feel nourished. They don't feel satisfied. Uh, It's amazing. I, I just finished reading Twinkie Deconstructed, the book that tells people about all of the bizarre things going into our food. Well, this fluffy, puffy, foodless thing uh, really doesn't make you feel satisfied. Whereas if you ate a, uh, something that had actual food in it, you wouldn't feel the need to eat more and more and more. And then, of course, there's always the link between monosodium glutamate and uh, obesity. It's well known to researchers that the two are linked. Now, Take a hard look at many of the school cafeteria foods and you'll find that MSG clones are all over the place. In fact, um, what I encourage parents to do, if you're out and uh, you want a hamburger, don't go to your child's cafeteria and eat lunch there. Uh, Go to a fast food restaurant. Their hamburgers are made of meat. They're made of actual meat. Now, of course, there are other choices that might be a whole lot better than a fast food restaurant. But school cafeteria hamburgers have meat, and they have an unbelievable amount of other things, in, including MSG and loads and loads of sugars. Now, we could also talk about high fructose corn syrup. Is that a big contributor to the, the obesity? There are so many things, and these are the staples of junky food. And uh, we see the results, not just in the obesity, but in the epidemic of ear infections, asthma, childhood diabetes. Uh, You know all of this very well. I I know, Deborah. it's, uh, it's pretty scary stuff. So you take a look at that recent research, Jane, comparing um, high fructose corn syrup to to simple sugar sweetening Mm -hmm. and see a decided difference. Um, The high fructose corn syrup has a detrimental uh, effect on insulin sensitivity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I found out that... uh, that the high fructose corn syrup was going straight to my hips. Believe me, I was a lot more careful about avoiding it. Before that, I was pretty casual about it. But let me tell you, I don't need anything more on my hips. So, yeah, I just stay away from that as much as possible. It's not something we automatically eliminate on the Feingold program, but boy, the more we learn about it, uh, the less we want to eat it. 
because you've already addressed it, but it it, it always amazed me, you know, why there was not more of a sense of general outrage to learn that the fastest growing group of type 2 diabetics in this country is teenagers. It's because we now have generations raised on fast food. Absolutely. Well, I think people don't really know what's going on as far as, well, where is it coming from? You know, there are so many uh, things that they will see in the media as far as, you know, what's causing this problem. And Well, a, a good example is childhood asthma. And uh, so often I've read, oh, well, it's stress. Well, <laughs> if, if it were stress, the, it wouldn't be the children getting the asthma. It would be their overworked mothers getting it. Or maybe um, it's being caused by cats and dogs. Now, that's crazy. Cats and dogs have been around for a long time. Uh, other uh, writers have said, well, the epidemic of childhood asthma is caused by pollen. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but pollen isn't exactly new, right? <laughs> so people don't even know where to look. They don't know where to begin. Um, when a family wants to help their child, whether they're dealing with uh, minor problems, big problems, something as heavy duty as autism. I know you've, you've talked with a guest about that. What we say is, look, let's just take a step back and let's see what is the simplest thing you can do is the first step. Try something simple and then work from there down to the more complex thing. And what could be simpler than buying a, a, a frozen waffle that doesn't have yellow number five or yellow number six? And by the way, whenever you see a package label that lists a color, followed by a number, you know that that's a petroleum derivative. That's really stuff you want to stay away from. Yellow 5, red 40, blue 1. It's so easy to switch from a product with a dye to a product without a dye. And as you get a little more savvy about this, you can go into nearly any supermarket Mm -hmm. or any store and find lots of things that are, are free of these chemicals. So I'm um, you know, quite certain you know, the Fine Gold Association offers a variety of, of educational materials to, you know, to teach schools and parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles uh, where to start. But because this British study particularly focuses on, focused on drink mixes, mm-hmm. having been through this with your own child, where do you start with all too many kiddos saying, I don't drink water? <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to drink water. Here again, we look at where is the family now and what is going to be the simple first step for them. Uh, A simple first step might be switching. Well, for example, if you want to get rid of sodium benzoate, which is one of the additives in the uh, British study, Mm -hmm. well, if you're drinking Sprite, switch to 7-Up. That's an easy way to get rid of sodium benzoate. Mm -hmm. Then if you want to improve things further, try some homemade lemonade. Or my favorite thing, take either plain water or sparkling water and add a little bit of fruit juice. And if you want to add sugar to sweeten it, not synthetic sugar, but fine gold doesn't eliminate sugar, that's okay. My favorite uh, beverage is a small amount of grape juice and a lot of water and ice, maybe sparkling water, and it is refreshing and delicious. So we like to find practical answers. Uh, we want to find answers that will not only provide products that are good for the child, much better than what they're now eating, but that the parents are comfortable with and that the kids will like. Because it's so important that a child like this, that he enjoy the food. And this is one of the unique things about the Feingold program. Our kids eat good food and they love it. 
that bag of lollipops I referred to earlier. We don't overdo the candy with our kids. We recommend people be a little bit, uh, you know, conscientious about not giving them a whole lot. But a child on the Feingold problem, uh, program, the child on the Feingold program can have a lollipop if he wants it, but it would be a natural lollipop. It's as simple as that. Address uh, for you would, if you would please, uh, Jane, because I see you know, the, the marketing message out there, and certainly uh, kiddos pick up on this, whether they're <laughs> preteen or teenagers, the energy drinks out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you notice the children in the commercials are hyperactive. Oh. Well, you know, Deborah, the kids that we deal with are pretty smart. And once they make the connection between what they're eating and the consequences, uh, you know, if the child, uh, the parent may say, well, you know, if you want the artificial whatever, that's up to you. You decide. And the child knows, okay, if I eat that one, if I eat the, the lollipop I got at the bank, uh, I'm going to get in trouble at home. I'm going to do badly at school. My friends are going to be mad at me. I may have a stomachache, a headache, or break out in hives. You know, and why should he eat the Junko lollipop when he can just as easily eat the one that mom gets. So the children quickly become savvy about this. And my children, like most of the kids on our program, when they hear the ads, when they see the commercials, they just think it's dumb because they know what's going on behind it and they laugh at it. So what our biggest problem as far as people cheating on the diet is not the children, it's their parents. And the children very often will scold their parents, you know, if they go eat something off the diet. Now, having said that, this is not an all-or-nothing deal. Um, A lot of people uh, can eat things that contain these additives occasionally and, and do just fine. It's just that most of us, including our kids, would rather not. Now, if you have a child and you want to kind of get them involved in understanding this, um, talk to us about a science fair project your child can do uh, showing what the damage is done from these artificial food colors. That is a sure way to convince a child that he's on the right track to avoid them. You know, I'm reminded of the the work. It was so visual, so vivid. Uh, uh, you know, Dr. Doris Rapp, Dr. Yeah. Theron Randolph, who would yeah. take a look at children's handwriting mm-hmm. before and after consuming these 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 you know fake foods, these, you know, these empty foods, and what I mean, you could clearly see within you know thirty seconds to a minute, yes. the child's handwriting would change fundamentally, Jane. Yes, absolutely. Handwriting is one of the ways that some children react. Uh, there are many different ways. Um, as far as, as the science fair project, some of the children use mice. Some are fed pure food. Some are fed food with additives. Even a small amount of food dye in the animal's water can cause them to totally forget how to run a maze, can cause animals to become very aggressive. It, it's pretty dramatic, the effects of these things. And as you say, handwriting effects can be a real eye-opener. Uh, we, we also collect those things. Of course, that that makes an impact on children. I yeah. remember, you know, teaching children's cooking classes. And just like, you know, teaching children to, to read those labels, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a lasting impact, Jane. Right. Well, you know, when my younger daughter was just three years old and I was trying to explain this, uh, whole thing to her, I was trying to put it in terms a three-year-old would understand, and she wanted to know why her cheese was white 
and the neighbor's little child's cheese was, was bright orange. Right. And I said, well, they put stuff in the cheese, and it's kind of like paint, which really is not far from the, the, uh, the truth at all. It is very <laughs> much like paint. And the look on her face, she, she did not want to eat cheese with paint in it. So we just, you know, and in Fungal, we really don't usually have a problem with the children wanting to eat that garish stuff. They, they're smart. They know what it is. Uh, they know turn- also, before they're very old, why manufacturers are using it. Right. And they also learn that labels aren't always truthful, and sometimes grown-ups don't tell the truth. And it's- Jane, hold that thought. We'll pick it up when we return. Jane Hersey from the Fine Gold Association. Cutting-edge information on alternative medicines, nutrition, and your health. Healthy Talk Radio with Deborah Ray. Jane Hersey, the director of the nonprofit Fine Gold Association, joins us today to talk about the major new study, British research published in the British medical journal Lancet, linking artificial food additives, colors in particular, with worsening children children's behavior. We invite you to join us at 800-307-3002. For people listening to us, Jane, yeah. you know what what materials? How do they contact the Fine Gold Association? What materials? Materials are available. Yes, uh, they can contact us via addiet.com on the web, addiet.com, and they will find that we have a package of information they can order, uh, and it includes step-by-step guidance is into what to do first, how to do it, and it also includes our food list book, and this is a book running, these new ones are running about 180 pages. The books list thousands of brand name products, each of which we have researched with the manufacturer, and all of these are products that they can buy and be assured that they are free of the worst of the additives. Then we publish these books at least once a year and update them ten times a year through our newsletter, Pure Facts. So that's a little of the information they get. Lots of material, practical stuff, support, people they can call, uh, email addresses where they can ask for more help. There's lots of information out there, and that's what we do. We're a support group. And we show them how to find out if maybe the so-called ADHD or the new uh, term bipolar disorder may be just simply that their child is reacting to certain food additives. Um, it may be, it may not be, but this is a test to find out. And uh, you know, sufficient to uh, take some of these materials into schools as well? Yes, absolutely. In fact, our September newsletter is all about really simple things a school can do to turn their food around and it's a story of one of our fine gold moms who is serving wonderful healthy food in her school and it's i tell you deborah if you if you saw the uh, menu of what she's serving you would think it was an upscale restaurant she's not only serving great food natural food but saving the school system a whole lot of money doing it it can be done it's uh natural food does not have to cost more and it often costs a lot less than the junky stuff. Well, great information. It's always a privilege and pleasure to have you uh, update us. Uh, thank you. You have found your mission, and we are the better for it. Jane, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Deborah. Jane Hersey joining us today, the director of the Fine Gold Association. She mentioned the website simply www.addiet.com. 
Webify.com. And if you're not Webified, 1-800-321-3287. Artificial food colorings, sweetenings, flavorings, preservatives do affect our children's behavior, our children's learning ability. Our thanks to Jane. Our thanks to each and every one of you join us today. If you missed anything, the show archived for two weeks at our website, HealthyTalkRadio.com. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you, live long, stay healthy. 